We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Good morning, America. How are you? Welcome to this thing of ours called the Financial Physician Radio Program. We talk about money, markets, politics, and anything that affects your financial life. If you want to call in with a question, 866-472-5788 is the call-in number. All right. I, back in uh, 2008, came on my radio show. At that time, I was on uh, WOBM AM 1160 in New Jersey and had a similar show like this, a personal finance show. And I, I came on and I said that people need to get out of the stock market immediately uh, that we had an impending financial crisis and market crash uh, that nobody's seen for a very long time. Now, I said this in July of uh, 2008. Now, I was talking about the potential for a stock market crash or a financial crash, whatever you want to call it, all through the year of 2008. But I came to the conclusion in July of 2008 uh, that it was almost imminent, meaning within the next three to six months. And I warned all my listeners that it was coming. Uh, and if they wanted to protect their retirement, if they wanted to protect their uh, their financial life, that they needed to get out of the stock market immediately. And sure enough, you know, a few months later, it was only two months later, in September of 2008, we had the collapse of Lehman Brothers, uh, a 40-something percent crash in the stock market. The bond market went down. It was just a, a total mess. And from there, we had the bailouts and and the Fed coming in and printing trillions of dollars. And here we are five years later. And the economy really hasn't improved much. And we are also now heading for the next financial crisis, which I feel will dwarf 2008. Maybe by multiples of 10. Because we're in a situation now where we don't have the tools to deal with it. And the debt situation worldwide has only expanded over the last five years. And I'm going to say the same thing I said in 2007. Now is the time to protect yourself. 
You know, the stock market's close to all-time highs. Everybody's feeling great. And that's the best time to be a seller in the stock market. Because we will see a substantial decline in the markets. My guess is it's going to start September or October. And it's going to scare a lot of people. And many of the things that are happening right now in the stock market, the bond market, the real estate market, and the overall economy are eerily similar to what happened in 2008. Eerily similar. And I believe a disaster is coming uh, that cannot be avoided at this time. Now, uh, the Economic Collapse blog is a blog I follow. Very, very good blog. Guy's really good with statistics. And he came out this week uh, with statistics that were eerily similar to what was going on in 2008 before the crash. Here are some of them. According to the Bank America Merrill Lynch Equity Strategy Team, their big institutional clients are selling stock at a rate not seen since 2008. The big boys, the institutions, the pension funds, the hedge funds, are selling stock at a rate not seen since 2008. And they tend to know what's going on better than the little guy does. In 2008, stock prices had wildly diverged from where the economic fundamentals said they should be. Now it has happened again. I've said this on this program repeatedly. That there's something wrong when you have record high stock prices and record high number of people on food stamps. It doesn't jive. And we know a lot of that had to do with the manipulation uh, through the Fed's quantitative easing of both the stock and bond market. And without that stimulus, that morphine, that cocaine uh, that the Fed's been providing, stock prices would not be where they are. In early 2008, the average price of a gallon of gasoline rose substantially. And it's starting to happen again. Have you gone to the gas pumps lately? Just the last couple of weeks, we've seen gas prices rise dramatically. And, and remember, whenever the average price of a gallon of gasoline in the United States hits 380 or risen above that, a stock market decline is always followed. Every time, especially over the last three years. We see a barrel of oil has jumped to as high as $110. I think it's 108 now. Why is that? Again, that's inflation. That's all part of the debasing of the U.S. dollar by the Federal Reserve. New home prices have uh, just experienced their largest two-month drop since Lehman Brothers collapsed. Not a healthy sign for the economy. During the last financial crisis, the mortgage delinquency rate rose dramatically and it's starting to happen again. Prior to the financial crisis, of 2008, there was a spike in the number of adjustable rate mortgages. It's happening again. More and more people now are looking to adjustable rate mortgages. Why? Because fixed rate mortgages have dropped dramatically from about three and a half a few months back to now about 4.3. Significant increase for many people and they're looking at the adjustable rate mortgages again, which is going to be a big mistake. Just before the last financial crisis, unemployment claims started skyrocketing. Well, initial claims for unemployment benefits are rising again. And once we hit the 400,000 level, we'll officially be in the danger zone. And right now, we're about 360, 370. Continuing claims for unemployment just spiked to the highest level since early 2009. People aren't finding jobs. It's that simple. The yield on a 10-year treasury is now up to 2.6%. 
And we also saw uh, rates or yields rise on a 10-year securities um, uh, just before the crisis in 2008. And even going back to the dot-com scenario, we had rising interest rates at that time. And that's a pretty much a pretty dramatic rise in interest rates. To go from 1.60 in May to 2.6 in late June, and we've stubbornly held that around 2.6. If we take out 3%, uh, that would be a sign that um, there's impending doom coming to all the markets at that time. Average hourly compensation in the United States experienced its largest drop since 2009 during the first quarter of this year. Again, not a healthy sign. In the month of June, spending at restaurants fell by most that we've seen since February of 2008. When people stop going to restaurants, you know they're tight. They can't spend that kind of money anymore. And it's a very, very good indicator of the economy. And the fact that we've seen the largest drop uh, since February of 2008 is very unsettling. Just before the financial crisis of 2008, corporate earnings were very disappointing. It's, com- it's happening again. Companies are coming out now and disappointing. And when they look forward, they're even more disappointing. When they, they, they tell you what they think the rest of the year is going to be, they're all uh, lowering uh, their estimates. Margin debt spiked just before the dot-com bubble burst, and it spiked just before the crash of 2008, and now it's spiking again. And we'll talk about that in a little while. We've got record amounts of margin. What's margin mean? Margin means when you, when you borrow money to buy stocks. So you have $10,000 in your account. You could buy $20,000 worth of a stock. You borrow it from the brokerage firm. You pay interest on it. Problem with that is if the stock goes down, you get what's called a margin call. You have to put up more money or you're forced to sell the stock. And that's very dangerous for markets. When a lot of people are leveraged like that, if the market starts to go down, people are forced to sell, which exacerbates the downturn. Global business confidence is now the lowest it has been since the last recession. Back in 2008, the U.S. national debt was rapidly rising to unsustainable levels. Well, we're much, much, much worse than that now. Since the 2008 crisis, we've added 5 to $6 trillion in debt to this country, which makes us much more vulnerable uh, to a long-lasting financial crisis. Prior to the last financial crisis, Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke assured the American people at home prices would not decline and there would not be a recession. We all know what happened after he said that. Now he's once again promising that everything's going to be just fine. He's been wrong about everything when it comes to the economy. And the truth is, most Americans already know that we're in deep trouble. Today, 61% of all Americans believe the country is on the wrong track. 61%. And decades of foolish decisions by government and central banks have brought us to this point. We allowed our our, our, um, economic infrastructure to be gutted. We uh, consumed far more wealth than we produced. And, And our politicians continue to do incredibly stupid things. president came out this week uh, and basically said, you know, uh, he will veto anything that, that looks like a spending cut. 
So they're going to continue to spend money we don't have, continue to increase our debt, and continue to put us in an extremely dangerous situation. And we've been living beyond our means as a country and as a family uh, for so long that we consider it to be normal. But there's a price to pay for that. And there's nothing normal uh, about what we're experiencing now. And we have a debt spiral that is going to unravel itself. It just cannot continue like this. And what I'm seeing in the bond market is really what concerns me more than anything. Seeing interest rates rise. And just realize, you know, we have $17 trillion in debt. Interest rates rise 1%. That's $170 billion that goes to interest. That can't be used for defense, can't be used for social programs, can't be used for anything. And my big concern is we're not going to see a 1% increase in 10-year Treasury yields. We're going to see a 4 or 5 or 6% increase in Treasury yields. Think about that. 5% increase in, in Treasury yields on our debt is roughly a trillion dollars a year more in interest, which means a trillion dollars more in deficits, which means a trillion dollars more in annual debt. It's just totally unsustainable. The whole house is going to come down. And there's also rumors going around now of, of major problems in the banking system. And there's rumors on Wall Street that a major, major world bank is about to fail. And I'll tell you the name of that bank. The name of that bank is Deutsche Bank in Germany. They have huge derivative problems from what we're hearing. But it's not just Deutsche Bank. It's all the banks. You know, Back in uh, 2009, uh, the Federal Accounting Standard Boards allowed these banks to value their loans, their derivatives, at whatever value they think they may get for them sometime down the line, which gives them the ability to basically make it whatever they want and make their balance sheet look healthier than they really are. And they're all insolvent. So we're coming down to a banking crisis, a market crisis, like we've never seen before. And, I, and it pains me to tell you that. But now it's very important. We have time. You're at record highs in the stock market. Now's the time to protect yourself and lighten up. All right, we're going to take a short break. 866-472-5788 is our phone number. You're listening to The Financial Physician right here on the Variety Channel on voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. 
time on the Voice America Business Channel. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to The Financial Physician. And America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna, is here to help you. Call with your questions now at 1-866-472-5788. That's toll free, 1-866-472-5788. Once again, here's Lou. Welcome back to The Financial Physician radio program. Lou Scatigna here. We get together each and every Monday, 9 a.m. on the East Coast and 6 a.m. on the West Coast, but always archived right here on the Variety Channel, voiceamerica.com. Also, there's a link um, at my website, uh, thefinancialphysician.com, which you should visit each and every day. I have a, a blog I do there, and I have um, you know the archives of all these radio shows and other good stuff there at thefinancialphysician.com. My email address, love your emails, is lou, L-O-U, at thefinancialphysician.com. Now, before... Before the break, we were talking about um, what I see as an impending uh, financial crash, a crash of the stock market, a crash of the, the real estate market, and a crash of the U.S. Treasury bond market, and the potential collapse of the banking system. Pretty, pretty heady stuff here. And I don't come on this radio program and say this lightly. There's only one other time that I came on and said that people need to get out of the stock market and get out of the stock market now. And that was in the summer of 2008 just prior to the Lehman Brothers collapse and the, and the crash of all markets. And I think it's going to happen again. And I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I, I hope I can come on uh, uh, this program in, in, in November and say, you know, I was totally wrong. But I don't think it can be avoided at this time. And there's very, very smart people out there, smarter than me that I follow, uh, that are on the same page with me. And I mentioned some of the reasons why uh, from the economic collapse, collapse blog, uh, a guy who keeps some really good statistics, and, and a lot of things are very similar, eerily similar uh, to the pre-collapse of 2008, what we're seeing now. Stock prices going up almost every day, regardless of the economic news. Uh, that's always troubling. Now, if you have a growing economy and you have record stock prices, that all makes sense. But when you have the stock market hitting record highs and the economy muddling along at 1% growth and you have a, a 7% official unemployment rate and more like a 14% unofficial employment rate, unemployment rate, and there's a problem there. And record numbers of people on, on food assistance. Here's another troubling, troubling – I was surprised when I read this yesterday. This came out from the Associated Press yesterday. Four out of five U.S. adults struggle with joblessness, near poverty, or reliance on welfare for at least part of their lives, a sign of, a, of deteriorating economic security and the elusive American dream. The Associated Press points to an increasingly globalized U.S. economy, the widening gap between rich and poor, and, and loss of good-paying manufacturing jobs as a reason for the trend. And this is interesting. Hardship is particularly on the rise among whites based on several measures. Pessimism among that racial group about their family's economic futures has declined, has climbed to the highest point since at least 1987. 
In the, more rec- in the most recent AP poll, 63% of whites called the economy, quote-unquote, poor. And economic insecurity among whites also is more pervasive than is shown in government data. Engulfing more than 76% of white adults by the time they turn 60. And that's uh, according to a new economic gauge being published next year by the Oxford University Press. The gauge defines economic insecurities as experiencing unemployment at some point in their working lives or a year or more of reliance on government aid such as food stamps. Four out of five U.S. adults struggle with joblessness and near poverty or, or on welfare. That is not the sign of a healthy economy. Absolutely not a sign of a healthy economy. I mentioned before about margin debt. Deutsche Bank, I mentioned they have their own problems, but they came out with a note uh, last week uh, on margin debt, and it's been making the rounds around Wall Street. The conclusion of the note is rather simple. Today's euphoric borrowing on margin to buy stocks is reminiscent of the past bubbly equity market periods uh, of uh, 1999 and 2007, 2008. They found eerie similarities, and we mentioned that before. There's eerie similarities to what's going on now and what happened just prior to other major market breaks. Um, This is from their report. We prepared a collection of press articles which were published around the key events during the past financial crises. Our key finding is straightforward. Irrespective of the publishing date, the articles read alike throughout the two major crisis periods, which was the dot-com bubble and the great global financial crisis of 2007 and 2008. Most interesting, literally the same content can be found in today's press as was back then. Again, it's the same thing. The rising stock market is encouraging more people to go into debt, to buy stocks, sending margin debt levels past their all-time highs. That was a headline both times. And, and leverage is bad. This is Margin debt is leverage. You're taking 10000 you're buying 20000 worth of stock. So you're borrowing to, to invest. And, 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 and leverage is dangerous for many reasons. But, um, but the dangers of a levered stock market are, are really pretty easy to understand. And as Deutsche Bank says, it creates an environment that can lead to a disorderly unwinding of excessive risk. Margin debt can be described as a a tool used by stock speculators to borrow, borrow money from brokerages to buy more stock than they could otherwise afford on their own. These loans are collateralized by stock holdings, so when the market goes south, investors are either required to inject more cash or become forced to sell immediately to pay off their loans. Sometimes leading to sometimes leading to mass pullouts or crashes, and that's forced liquidations. And that happens all the time in individual stocks. If you have margin and you're in a stock that had some bad news, some bad economics, or whatever, and the stock's going down dramatically, your broker's going to call you up and say, "You know, you got to put up another five thousand dollars here." And you say, "I don't have I don't have the five thousand to put up." Uh, then they're forced you're forced to sell the stock as it's going down. And so is uh, thousands of other people, which makes the decline worse than it would be if people weren't on margin. And that's a big danger for the stock market. Let's talk about food stamps. I mean, food stamps, uh, people on food, the number of people on food stamps is just amazing. 
I mean, it's just amazing. You go to you go to the the grocery store and just see how many people are pulling out that EBT card. I mean, they don't use stamps anymore. They give you a, like a card that that's charged up with money on it. I guess it makes it less um, embarrassing if you're at a food store and you have to use them. You just give them. It looks like a credit card. But now, for the first time in history, the number of people in the United States receiving assistance from the federal government to pay for food has exceeded the number of full-time private sector workers. And that's uh, according to new data released by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Based on the latest available figures, the overall number of food welfare recipients total uh, today exceeds the number of regular working folks by nearly 4 million. And the gap is continuing to widen. An ominous foretelling of America's dire future, the more than 101 million people in America currently receiving government food aid represents nearly one-third of the overall U.S. population. One-third of Americans are receiving some kind of food aid. Comparatively, less than one-third of the entire U.S. population, or roughly 97 million people, currently has a viable full-time job, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And that figure has been on decline in recent years. The U.S. Department of Agriculture estimates that a total of 101 million people currently participate in at least one of the 15 food programs offered by the agency. And it cost us $114 billion in fiscal year 2012, and I'm sure that's going to be more in 2013. Of the 101 million receiving food benefits, a record 47 million Americans participated in the Supplemental Nutritional Assistance Program, which is commonly known as food stamps. What this all means, of course, is that our once great nation, built by hardworking, innovative, and creative individuals from all walks of life, has devolved into one of the worst kinds of nanny states imaginable. Now, uh, there's lots of people out there who you know need this. I understand that. I'm not. I'm not judging anybody who's getting food stamps. You know, I'm not judging them. I'm just saying the state of the economy is such that so many people are dependent on the government for food and sustenance and 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 everything else. The public has been reduced to either a mouth to be fed or a pocket to be picked or a political obstacle to be finessed. Nothing more, writes De- Deborah Hine uh, for Breitbart.com about the unraveling of American society. Think about that. I-, I think she's absolutely right. John Q. Public has been reduced to either a mouth to be fed or a pocket to be picked or a political obstacle to be finessed. Nothing more. Those are pretty powerful words. And, and how right she is. I mean, uh, the average, quote-unquote, poor household on government assistance today now receives about $168 per day from taxpayers. And that's uh, from a recent report by uh, townhall.com. These welfare payments, which cover not only food costs, but also housing, child care, health care, average out to be about $30 per hour for a 40-hour work week which is far more than what millions of working individuals and, their fa- and uh, families make per week. The median wage for non-welfare recipients is $25 an hour, but because they pay taxes unlike welfare recipients, the wages bump down to $21 per hour, writes Katie Pavlich for townhall.com. Taxpayers are no longer simply helping the poor. They're subsidizing the lives of welfare recipients at a better rate than their own. Think about that. People who are working are making less money 
getting less income than people who are on the government dole. And they're paying for it. Uh, hopefully everybody out there sees a problem with that. And it's certainly unsustainable. In other words, the working class is now collectively forking over more of its earnings to sustain the welfare class. And much of this is being distributed in the form of food stamps and other food assistance. And if this trend continues, society will eventually reach a breaking point in which there are no longer enough actual contributors to support all the takers. For increasingly more people, it is now more lucrative in a form of actual disposable income to sit, do nothing, and collect various welfare entitlements than to work. And for every 1.25, um, one and a quarter employed persons in the private sector, one person receives welfare assistance or works for the government. These all go into what I said at the beginning of the program. We're heading for a crisis of unimaginable proportions. And we're here. It's at our doorstep. And those who do have money and do have investments have to make moves right now to protect themselves. And that's why our opening uh, stock, get out of the stock market call today. And again, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that's not the case. But let me tell you something. The risk of a major financial crash is at its highest right now. And maybe it doesn't happen. But if there was a one in two chance that your house was going to burn down because you have dry brush all around it, I think you would do something about it. And I think that's where we are. I think there's a one in two chance that the whole thing comes unglued this fall or certainly over the next six months. And we need to take evasive action right now. Go to cash, put some money in gold, but get out of the stock market and get out of the treasury market. That's where your risk lies. All right, time for another break, 866-472-5788 if you want to be part of the program. My name is Lou Skatigner, and you're listening to The Financial Physician. Don't go away. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Tune into Around the World in a Glass, presented by Sportsman's. We're a show all about wine, spirits, and other beverages. Your host, Kimber Stonehouse, is a professional expert and wine enthusiast. Each week, we'll focus on a different region of the world, discuss wines and other beverages, talk about some of the top restaurants in the region, and what to pair with which wine. Just listening could make you almost an expert. Around the World in a Glass is heard live every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Yeah. 
On The Financial Physician, we don't just cover the good time financial news. We cover the good, the bad, and the ugly. Have a question for America's money doctor, Luz Gatigna? Call him now at 1-866-472-5788. Or email the show. Here's the address. Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Now, back to Lou. Hey, welcome back to this thing we call the financial position where we talk about money, politics, markets, and uh, a very dire show today. We're talking about um, what I believe is going to be um, a financial collapse uh, that will make 2008 look like a walk through the park. And I I mean uh, perhaps a 50% or greater decline in the stock market very quickly, by the way. Uh, a spike in interest rates uh, in the U.S. Treasury bond market, uh, which will all but destroy um, our country just due to the interest rate uh, interest uh, service on the debt that we're going to have to deal with. And we mentioned before the break about how so many people now are on food assistance. 101 million people in our country, one in three, is on some type of food assistance. And we said before the break, we were talking about how four out of five adults are, are just close to uh, financial insecurity and poverty. Four out of five. And, and that's, that's real dire stuff. Real dire stuff. But the only thing we can do about it is, as investors is to protect ourselves. And sometimes when we invest in our investment lives, when, when, when the writing is on the wall, when it, you, know, you know something's wrong. You know the stock market shouldn't be at record highs. That we should do something to protect ourselves. And in uh, 2008, in the summer of 2008, I banged the table like I am now. And I came out on my radio program and told people to get out of the market today. Don't wait a month. Get out because a storm was coming. And sure enough, within 60 days, uh, the markets were crashing. And I don't come on this program just to be um, negative, to be a doomsayer. Uh, I don't like that. I'd rather come on and say everything's great. Our country is doing well. It's a great time to invest in equities, invest in America, and invest in the U.S. dollar. There was a time like that, but that time is gone. And with the, the growing debt of our country, both on a federal level on a state level, a city level, and on a family level, we are overwhelmed. And we talked last week about the bankruptcy of Detroit. Overloaded with debt, obligations to fund pensions and health care for unions had taken that city down. And we also mentioned that they're not the last. They're just the first. And I'm telling you, they're not the biggest either. If I had to guess, the next city that we're going to hear about problems is Chicago. Chicago is makes the debt of Detroit look like nothing. And as uh, Chicago goes, so goes the entire state of Illinois. But they're not alone. I mean, this is what's happened in our country. We've decided that we could provide things, benefits, welfare, health care, pensions, 100% health care to, to people who retired for 40 years. Totally unsustainable. We've done it to ourselves. And when we didn't have enough tax revenue to pay for it, well, we just simply borrowed money. We borrowed money from foreign governments. We owe China a trillion dollars. 
Think about it. How much could you do that in your life? Many Americans are tremendously in debt. I mean, we know that, but not to the extent of the federal government. And there's a limit to how much banks and credit cards are willing to lend people. Because it gets to the point of where they know they can't sustain the payments and they'll ultimately default. That's why people have credit limit on credit cards. But we have no credit limit in the United States. Oh, you may say there's a debt limit, but that debt limit has always moved up. And by the way, that's the next fight in Washington. In September, they're going to deal with the budget. They're going to deal with um, spending. Um, the Treasury Secretary, Jack Lew, was on um, Meet the Press yesterday. And he said that, uh, quote, the fight over the debt limit in 2011 hurt the economy, even though in the end we saw an expansion of the debt limit. We saw confidence fall and it hurt the economy. Congress needs to do its job. It needs to finish its work on appropriation bills. It needs to pass a debt limit. Again, this administration and administrations before them just don't care. They will spend and spend and spend and borrow and borrow and borrow. Or at least they will until nobody will lend them anymore. And that's where the crisis starts. The crisis starts on a failed auction. Where the Treasury tries to, to raise uh, $100 million, $200 million, and there's no buyers of the debt. Now, you could say that's happening now. I mean, uh, the Federal Reserve is actually buying about 70% of all new debt issued by the United States. They're not doing it directly. What they do is the, the big firms on Wall Street buy the debt at the auction. And a week later, the Fed conveniently takes it off their hands and buys it from them at a higher price. So they have a risk-free trade. And that goes on a balance sheet of the Federal Reserve, which is now at $3 trillion. This cannot go on forever. And it can't even go on a little bit more. We're way past the point of this. Now, the Fed uh, has a meeting this week, and they'll come out and see if they say anything about, quote-unquote, tapering their quantitative easing, their printing of $85 billion a month and the buying of all these bonds. In June, just the, the talk of possibly maybe it could happen may slow down, uh, cause the bond market to go down dramatically, and it cause the stock market to go down dramatically. So I think this week the Fed will be very careful about what it says in this meeting. But maybe not so much uh, in September where a lot of market participants and, and economists believe that the Fed's going to come out and, and start tapering uh, in September. So what does that mean? They buy $65 billion worth of bonds a month instead of $85 billion? And boy, let me tell you, that will start the ball rolling as far as economic collapse goes and market collapse. So, you know, the Republicans in Congress, at least some of them, the conservative Republicans, the Tea Party Republicans, want to cut the budget. They want to cut spending. And the president basically said that uh, he will veto. He will veto any bill that cuts spending. So what are we, where are we now? We're at, we're at the brink, we're at the brinkmanship again. Where the president's going to say, hey, you know, I'm not going to cut any spending. He'll demonize Republicans as wanting to take food out of grandma's mouth. And he'll use the word investment a million times. So that's the thing in Washington. They, they cloak things with different terms. The president will never say, I want to increase spending on education. What he says is, 
I want to increase investments in education. And that's true of every program. It's an investment, meaning that you get a return on it. There's been virtually no return on the quote-unquote spending programs uh, that this government has had. Tell me what the return is on the investment in 101 million people getting food stamps or food assistance in some way. I don't think there's any return on that. So that's the next big uh, thing, and uh, I think that will just add to the financial crisis that I think will come about in September. We have the potential for the Fed to slower their uh, QE, which the markets are going to hate because they're totally addicted to it. And then we're going to have the battle over a spending budget in September, the debt ceiling, and the possible default. And all this, obviously, is going to be not well taken by the markets. Well, this is a nice story that was out. We're talking about food stamps. Food stamps are paying for transatlantic takeout, with New Yorkers using taxpayer-funded benefits to ship food to relatives in Jamaica, Haiti, and the Dominican Republic. That's nice. Welfare recipients are buying groceries with their electronic benefit transfer, EBT cards, and packing them in giant barrels for trips overseas. The practice is so common that hundreds of 45 to 55 gallon cardboard and plastic barrels line the walls of supermarkets in almost every Caribbean corner of the city. The feds say the movable feasts go against the intent of the $86 billion welfare program for impoverished Americans. A spokesman for the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Food and Nutritional Service said welfare benefits are reserved for households that buy and prepare food together. She said that states should intervene if people are caught shipping non-perishables aboard. Michael Tanner, a senior fellow at the Cato Institute, called it just another example of welfare abuse. Quote, I don't want food stamp police to see what people do with their rice and beans, but it's wrong, Tanner told the New York Post. The purpose of this program is to help Americans who don't have enough to eat. This is not intended as foreign aid. Uh, Still, New Yorkers say they ship the food because staples available in the states are superior and less costly than what their families can get abroad. Quote, everybody does it, unquote, said a worker at an associated supermarket in Prospect, Prospect Lefferts Gardens, Brooklyn. They pay for it any way they can. And a lot of people pay with EBT cards. Customers pay cash for the barrels, usually about $40, and typically ship them filled with $500 to $2,000 worth of rice, beans, pasta, canned milk, and sausages. Workers at the Pioneer Supermarket on Parkside Avenue and the Key Food on Flappish Avenue confirmed this practice. They said food stamp recipients typically take home their barrels and fill them gradually over time with food bought with EBT cards. When the tubs are full... The welfare users call a shipping company to pick them up and send them to the Caribbean for about 70 bucks. And the shipments take about three weeks. Uh, I think I got a problem with this. One man uh, was helping some woman pack her barrel, and he said, We're poor here, but they're poor too. But what we can get here is a luxury to them. Now, I understand taking care of your family. You know, that's a, We all want to take care of our family regardless of where they live. But is that what the, the food stamp program was intended to do? And there's abuse across the board. I know people receiving EBT cards that really shouldn't be. 
And what they do is they use that EBT card for all kinds of things that are really not food. Cigarettes, alcohol, garbage. Now, again, it's not my job to tell people what to eat, but should you be able to use an EBT card to buy cigarettes, really? And now we have these people using their EBT cards to fill barrels worth of food and to ship them overseas to their families. That is not what the program was intended to do. Just another sign of uh, the collapse of the system here in America. All right, one more segment left in the program. My name is Lou Skatigna. Don't you go away. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Listen for Trust Across America every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in as host Jordan Kimmel is joined by national experts in the fields of accounting, finance, organizational behavior, and sustainability, as well as companies that are applying strategies that are enabling them to be recognized as doing the right thing by the American Trust Awards. Your host Jordan Kimmel is himself a trusted professional with years of experience in applying strategies and consulting with today's leading firms. Trust Across America is heard Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. There should be mandatory personal finance courses taught in both high school and college. You're listening to The Financial Physician. Financial illiteracy is the number one reason the average American has little or no net worth. America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna, is here to help you now. Give him a call at 1-866-472-5788. That's toll free, 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Lou. All right. Thanks so much for joining us on the Financial Physician Radio Program, where we get together Mondays, 9 a.m. on the East Coast, 6 a.m. on the West Coast, and always available on uh, voiceamerica.com. It's always archived. Every show is there, and we're on the Variety Channel, and uh, look us up. Also, it's uh, archived on my blog and my website, thefinancialphysician.com, and and this program has been kind of a dire program. I came on at the beginning and told everybody that it's time to get out of the stock market, that we're heading into a financial crisis and market crash like nobody's ever seen before. And, uh, and, 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 and I preface that by saying I hope I'm wrong. I'm not rooting for this, trust me. Okay, But I've taken measures in my own investments to protect myself from it and actually profit from it. You know, there's, there's ETFs you can buy that go up when the market goes down. And that may be something you want to look at if you want to be aggressive and speculate on that. 
Now, some people will say it's wrong to, to make money on down markets, but that's, that, that's baloney. You make money any way you can, and you protect yourself any way you can. So people may be asking, you know, why is this guy coming on the radio uh, and telling everybody that this crash is coming to get 100% of the stock market? I mean, it seems a little over the top. And again, I'm, I'm risking my reputation doing this. And, and, and I did this in 2008, July of 2008. Here we are, July 2013. But I did it in 2008. And uh, as it turned out, uh, I was correct, unfortunately. But why would I do that? Why would I come on here? Now, I'm a certified financial planner. I own an investment firm for 27 years. It's not great for business to come out there and say the market's going to crash. But I've always said it like it is. And I'm saying it like it is now. People say, why would you do that? Why would you go on the public radio and, and say that? Uh, I, I, because I'm trying to protect people. In uh, 2008, my clients did not lose money. As a matter of fact, we had a small, in our, 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 our number one investment program that we use for a majority of our clients, we had a slight positive return. Why? Because we moved everybody to the safety of money market accounts prior to the crash. And for six months, we stayed out of harm's way. And we avoided all the mayhem. Now, it was funny. Um, during the, the collapse in September of 08, uh, my old high school buddies and college buddies were calling me up and picking my brain what to do with their 401ks. Meanwhile, I had told them all months ahead to, to go to cash, but they didn't listen to me. In the midst of the crash, they're asking me what to do then. Uh, but they'd all start the conversation the same way. They'd say, Lou, you, know, you must be going nuts. Your phone must be ringing off the hook. And I said, no, my, my phone is quiet. And he said, how could that be? I said, because our clients know that we move them to the protection of cash, that they're not in the market, that they have no exposure to the stock or bond market at this time. As a matter of fact, the only uh, calls I was getting during the crash from my clients uh, was calls of thanks, thanking us for protecting them. And they were, you know, their friends couldn't believe that they had investments and weren't losing money. Why? Because we managed their money. We didn't just sit, sit, see this coming and do nothing. We took evasive action. Now, we're a registered investment advisor, so you know, we manage money for clients. We don't just sell investments and forget about them. And that's the problem with a lot of people who got their head handed to them in 2008. You know, they saw a big investment house and uh, this nice broker sold them a bunch of mutual funds and uh, made their commission and moved on. I never called them during a crash. never told them to take evasive action because most stockbrokers out there are salesmen. That's all they are. They're out to make as much money as they can for them and their, and them and their firm, and the clients are secondary. And many of them have no clue about the economy and have no clue about the markets. They really don't. And it's amazing how many people out there – it's a shame I, in my industry that I would say three-quarters of the people out there have no idea what they're doing. They're salespeople. And that's all they are. Otherwise, so many people would not have lost their retirement money uh, in 2008. But anyway, we had people out. And the reason why I'm bringing you this information, and again, I hope I'm wrong. And what if I am wrong? So what? So maybe you missed a little bit of move in the market over the next six months. But if I'm right, maybe I protected your retirement. Maybe I protected college education for one of your kids. And I still get phone calls from people who don't know me and say, you know, Lou, uh, I just want to let you know that uh, I listened to your radio program in 2008. Uh, I got out of the market 
I told my kids to move their 401ks to cash. And you know what? You saved us. Thank you. And I got to tell you, those phone calls make my day. Those phone calls, not because I'm giving myself a slap on the back. That, that's not what this is about. This is about protecting as many people as possible. And I guarantee you, my clients are going to be protected when this happens. Again. And anybody out there listening to me, if I could protect you, uh, then that's my goal here. And I highly suggest that you forward the link to this radio program to everybody you know on your list. At least the people you care about. And then let them do what they want after listening to this program. And they probably should go back in the archives and listen to other programs uh, that we've done here. Because this is not the first day I'm coming out and saying I'm very concerned about the markets. But today I'm coming out and saying, today you have to get out of the market. Unless you're prepared to sustain 40 to 50% declines in, the, in your investments, uh, you should take a defensive posture at this point. And let me tell you, when a crisis occurs and you've taken protective actions, you're going to be very satisfied with yourself. And while everybody else is panicking, you're going to be relaxing. As a matter of fact, there's going to be a time when this market is going to be a buy of a lifetime. Post-crisis. Just like in 2009, when the market bottomed. The Dow was at, what, 6,000 or 7,000? It's now doubled in five years. People made 100% of their money. Why? Because they bought at the bottom. But you can't buy at the bottom if you've lost all your money in the market. You can only buy at the bottom as if you have cash that you've protected against the downside, and you can move in at that point. So there's two aspects of being protective before a crash, not losing money and then making a lot of money on the other side of it. There's a lot of people who still haven't gotten even yet from the crash of 08 because it's so hard to climb out of that hole once you go backwards. If you lose 50% of your money, you have 100000 you go to 50000 it doesn't take 50% up to get back because you're only making 50% on 50 grand. That's 75 grand. You need a 100% return on what's left. That's a hard thing to do. So the key here is to avoid drawdown. That's what we call losses in the business, drawdown, when the value of your account goes down because it's so much harder. It's so much easier to go down than it is to go up. Because of what I just, I just explained, if you lose 50%, you need 100% return to get even. So I, I do suggest that um, you, 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 you take action and you forward the link to this radio show to your friends. And say, so you got to listen to this. And then you take action the way you seem uh, that you want to after listening. And I'm not the only one out there saying this. Peter Schiff's out there saying it. Jim Sinclair's out there saying it. Well, Jim Sinclair is even worse than me. He's saying you got to get out of the system. He's saying that don't have any money in the bank, don't have any money in brokerage firms, that the whole thing's going to collapse, and you better own gold because gold's going to 3500 if not multiples of that to protect yourself. And again, I could just protect myself, I could protect my clients, and I could just do this radio show and say nothing about what I think is coming. But that's not why you listen. You listen to this radio program because you know we're going to tell it like it is, and we're not going to blow smoke up your butt. And we're not going to be optimistic when there's no reason to be. 
You know, I get I walk out to work and I see the sun shining and I see cars are out there and kids are playing and it looks so normal, but it's not. And that's a big problem that most Americans have. They have what's called normalcy bias. We believe that everything in the past will be as it is in the future. And that that can't happen to America. We can't see a collapse of the economy, a collapse of the markets in America. We can't see that happen. But history tells us that every country that has fiat currency, that has huge budget deficits, and a huge national debt, that it's only a matter of time before the whole system collapses. It's happened every single time. And why should this time be any different? The question has always been when. You know, when is this going to happen? And I think it's going to happen within the next six months. And if it doesn't happen in the next six months, it's going to happen in the next year. And again, it's up to each, each individual to protect themselves. And again, the risk is so high right now, people who do not protect themselves are silly. And now you have the information, you know, why I believe this, this is going to occur. And it's up to you to do what you want to protect yourself. But here it is, July 29th, I believe it is, uh, where I'm coming out and saying it is coming. And I think you have some time. I think you got August uh, to get your finances uh, straightened out, to become defensive, and to protect your family and your retirement. I remember the website, thefinancialphysician.com. Visit it each and every day. Visit my blog. Uh, my email address is lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Love your emails. I'll answer each and every one, as, as many as I can. Uh, I get a lot of emails. Just be patient with me. And if a week goes by and you don't get an answer from me, be, please just send it again. I get a lot of stuff, and it, sometimes it just falls through the cracks. And uh, remember, we get together each and every Monday, 9 a.m. on the East Coast and 6 a.m on the West Coast. Have a wonderful week and please join me next Monday and every Monday for the next edition of The Financial Physician. Have a wonderful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. It's staff and management. 